0: joining us i'm charlotte snyder and i'm podcasting from the bondeck montessori in sioux Falls, south dakota today we're talking about observing without judgment recently we published on the blog a post about observation beautifully written by amanda berger if you haven't read it yet it's a great one and we'll link to it in the blog post accompanying this podcast one of the roles montessori educators are tasked with is that of a trained observer What is each child doing? What, if anything, do I need to do about it? It's the truest way we follow the child. How do we know each child's strengths and where more energy would best be spent? How do we know if casual misuse of a material is due to boredom or too high of expectations? Did you spill the water because you were being careless or because I picked the wrong material to show you or because I made a mistake in the basin and bucket I chose for that work? In Montessori, the call to action lies with me, the adult, rather than the blame lying with the child. This is how we follow the child. What are you showing me? What, if anything, do I need to do about it? Whether you're an educator or a parent, the hardest part is observing without judgment. This phrase can be so misleading because of that one word. Judgment. When we hear judgment, we often insert emotions. Judgmental, prejudging, bias, opinion. I don't do that. I would never, who could judge this child? Judgment isn't always negative. Judgment is sometimes cloaked even in kindness. We're observing with prejudice when we have an emotional response, any emotional response. When we watch a child fuss with a zipper and our heart longs to help until we finally jump in, that's judgment. When we sigh after reminding a child, using even our most positive language, to use a tissue rather than their sleeve, that's judgment. When we feel frustrated that we're still reminding a child to sit the right way while simultaneously wanting to say, see, after they've fallen out of their chair again, that's judgment. The judgment is that teensy voice saying they can't. It's not judging the child, but it's still judgment. Why do we do this? Sometimes it's hardwired, an evolutionary response to meet our child's every need so we don't swing the opposite way and abandon them. That's the zipper, the carrying, the fixing. Sometimes it's forgetting the small things are the big things the education of the whole child piece that no one wants to wipe their nose on their sleeve and if they remembered where the tissues were they surely would have used one by now and that does that work doesn't begin after their nose is clean that is the work that's why we're here and that there truly is no better use of my time sometimes it's guilt Could I have prevented this pain, this discomfort, this learning experience by hustling harder, by being more prepared? If only you had listened to me, we wouldn't be in this position, is the refrain of sheepishness, of pain, of regret. We walk this careful tightrope of wanting to prevent as much as we can, but we cannot do the learning for the child. So how do we respond? How do we observe without judgment? We don't jump to conclusions. We respond rather than react. I see a child running. Yes, of course I must do something. I don't yell, stop running, or run to them to make them stop. I take a breath and watch. Are they running to or from? Is there a real emergency? Or have they forgotten how to walk in this space? There's always a good logical answer, And without asking ourselves, and taking the space to observe, the answer won't emerge. A child with somebody else's work in their hand did not necessarily take that work. Maybe the work fell on the floor, and they're returning it to the person. So even the kindest, whose work is that, or you can touch your work, is ill-advised. Maybe the child getting up from the gathering, or from the dinner table, is quietly excusing themselves to go use the toilet and even our best prepared, it's time to sit, I can find you a spot. This is your spot, that's where you can stay. We all sit until dinner is over. Can in fact cause an accident if that child were getting up because they identified, now would be a great time to use a toilet or to use a tissue. The hardest part is that the answer lies with us. Yet again, we must be without judgment, not they're running because you didn't give enough reminders about walking or because you're not clear and consistent or because you're terrible, not they're getting up because they just can't sit still, not they're touching that work and I need to be clear and kind. All of these are judgments. All of them are simply turning they can't into I can't which is defeatist, shaming, and serves nothing. We must treat the children and ourselves with kindness and grace. Rather, I could give more reminders about walking, or my reminders could give a different tone. I could take a breath before I say something. Let's see what that child is going to do with that work. What's up? Do you need something? Where are you going? Or, Looks like it's time for more grace and courtesy. These are questions and statements and thoughts sometimes we ask ourselves, and sometimes we ask aloud, seeking more information. The emotional response is looking to place blame, either in ourselves or on the children, both of which can create a negative spiral, feelings of inadequacy, and don't actually serve the situation. This is that judgment, Rather, we gently ask ourselves, what are we seeing from the children, and what conditions have I set up? It's a spider with a keen awareness of every thread on the web. We hustle hard and wait and listen, then hustle again. It's taking responsibility, but not blame and not credit. It's emotionally invested and not emotionally burdened. It truly is a tightrope. And we start with a breath. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bondec, and email us with comments, questions, and suggestions at hello at bondec.org. Until next time.